Good morning, friends. I'm excited to be with you today. Don't know where you are, but I hope that you are happy and healthy and comfortable and confident. I know this is the beginning of spring break for some schools. If you're traveling, uh, I hope you'll keep your eyes on the road while this service is going on. Speaking of keeping eyes on the road, a number of years ago, during my first tour of duty here at Peachtree, for those of you who don't know, I, I was on the staff here from 1989 to 1995. During one of those years, our program staff had gone down to Hilton Head for a staff retreat. I was young, I was fit, I was competing in triathlons at the time, so I had taken my triathlon bike with me down to Hilton Head, and I was riding the bike some. We were staying in houses at various places on the island and meeting as a staff in the fellowship hall of the Providence Presbyterian Church. I decided one morning to leave the house and ride my bike to the church. I did so, had a great day. Uh, it was a late night when we finally got away. In the spirit of full disclosure, it was around about 10 o'clock before we shut things down from that retreat. And I decided to get on my bike, which I had ridden to the meeting and ride it back to the house where we were staying. I had not spent a lot of time at Hilton Head and when I got on my bike, everyone else had left in the cars, I started riding back and you know, they don't really believe in street lights at Hilton Head. This is what I saw as I began to ride back to the house. Nothing, completely black. I could not see a thing. No lines on the road, no sides of the road, nothing. I was absolutely disoriented. It is a miracle that I didn't ride my bike off into a ditch and get eaten by some alligator. Obviously that didn't happen because I'm here with you today. But it points out the reality that when you can't see, when you're functionally blind, you are totally disoriented. It took me a very long time to get back to that house that night. We're in the middle of this series of messages that is growing out of the Gospel of John. We're, we're looking at the ways Jesus has transformed lives and, and we're calling the series no longer. We're no longer cynical or empty or religious or ashamed or, or paralyzed or hungry or condemned. And today, we're looking at a story in the ninth chapter of John's Gospel that points out to us the reality that this man was and you and I can be no longer blind. This is actually the longest treatment of any of the miracles in the Gospel of John. He takes more time with this story and the fallout from the, he the healing that Jesus works in this man's life than in any of the other miracles. Let's not read the whole story, but let's read the story of the miracle. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva and, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. The word Siloam means 
sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. It's an interesting story and it's pointing out the reality that I experienced when I was in Hilton Head that night. When you can't see, everything is disorienting. The man hasn't asked for a miracle, Jesus sees him. Jesus offers the miracle, the man doesn't resist. He washes and he is made clean. Now this really shouldn't be a surprise to any of us because Jesus early on as he began his ministry in his first sermon, he said that he was going to be doing things like this. Do you remember how he began his ministry? In the fourth chapter of Luke's gospel, we read, Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know, it's not just the reality that the scripture was fulfilled in their hearing that day in Nazareth. It's that that scripture was fulfilled in so many people's seeing that day in Jerusalem. Jesus is at the festival of the tabernacles. It was one of the high festivals, one of the high feast days that, that people flocked to Jerusalem to celebrate. The expectation was that every Jew at some point in their life would come to Jerusalem for one or more of the high holy days. The festival of tabernacles was one of them. Jerusalem was mobbed with people, not only those who lived there, but so many who had come for that particular tabernacle. People are all over the place. And earlier during that festival, as Jesus has interacted with people, at one point he turned to all the people. John says this in, Luke, in, in John 8. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I could have used that light that night in Hilton Head. This man who has been blind from the moment he was born desperately needed the light of life, the light of Jesus in his life. This should not have been a surprise because not only has Jesus said this earlier in the Festival of Tabernacles, but way back at the beginning of the Gospel of John, as John introduces us to Jesus, he describes Jesus this way. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All of us deal with darkness at points in our lives. This man was dark from the beginning of his life, and Jesus revealed the light of life, the light of grace to him. All of us need that at points along the way. A couple of weeks ago, I was um, 
recognizing that I was having some problems with a fuel gauge in my car. I drive a Hyundai Santa Fe. So I took it to the repair shop where for 16 years I've taken my cars and, and had repairs done. I know these guys, they know me, they know our cars. I trust them, that's the important thing. And I said, this is what's going on. Uh, they called me and said, hey, this is the issue. We need to get a new fuel sender and put it in. Um, I promise you, I think they had to go to Korea, since this is a Korean car, uh, to get the part because it took almost a week to get the part. They got it, they put it in, they gave it back to me after I wrote them a check, and I went about my business. After a couple of days, I realized that the fuel gauge wasn't working. Something wasn't right. Filled up with gas, it didn't change anything. So I took it back to these guys and said, hey, fellas, the repair job you guys did didn't take. We need to take another look at this. They looked into it. They called me the next day. They said, you're absolutely right. We used aftermarket parts. We needed uh, Hyundai parts. We've got them. We're going to put them in. And they called me the next day and said, you ready? Come and get it. So I came and, and got it. I call it the chuck wagon. It's, a, it's an SUV. I picked up the chuck wagon, uh, left them with a much larger chunk of change this time because it took several parts. It's another story. And it's not that I'm bitter about it or anything. And um, I drove home. The gas gauge worked fine. Put gas in it, boom, it pops up to full. Two days later, in fact, last Sunday, I'm driving to church on Sunday morning. I look down on my dashboard, and this is what I see. Seriously? I've just given you guys a chunk of change, and this is what I get? Another check engine light? So... Monday afternoon, I dropped it off with them, and they looked at me like, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I haven't seen enough of you guys, so I decided to come back for another visit. They ran it through the computer. One little bitty part was broken. They replaced it, and after another swipe of the card, I was back on the road. It's happened again. I got to take it back again. Now look, I know I've had this problem before with other vehicles and I've talked to folks and I know what some of you are thinking right now. Chuck, we know how to solve that problem for you. Three little words, black electrical tape. I know you just put a piece of black electrical tape over where the check engine light is and you don't have the problem anymore. But you know, that black electrical tape doesn't fix anything. It it simply obscures the reality. It disorients the truth that I need to face, and that is there's something else going on with a check wagon. It's time to take it in. Sometimes I wish that I had a check engine light in my life, that something would pop up, would illuminate, that would let me know that, that there was something that I needed to address, to turn me back to Jesus. You know, John told us in his gospel why he wrote the gospel and, and what his entire purpose was in writing this story about Jesus. He says in John 20 that these stories were written that we may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing we may have life in his name. You see, John wrote his gospel and he tells these stories so that we could believe in Jesus and find life. Remember that 
in the first chapter of John's gospel, he said that life was the light of people. Jesus' presence in my life, in your life, brings his light into the world. We really kind of like to obscure the things in our lives that we feel, that we think, that, that we believe are not right. It's like putting a little piece of black electrical tape over those areas of our lives, creating darkness, almost blinding ourselves to the reality that something's just not quite right. It's far easier to just ignore it and think it'll go away. But it's really not easier. That's simpler, but it's not easier. In truth, I think John tells this story about the man being blind and, and being healed of his blindness as he tells the other stories in the gospel to help us realize how much we need to shift from trusting in ourselves to trusting in Jesus. As I was studying this passage and looking at it and, and working with it and, and digging deeper into it, I, I took a step back at one point and, and began to ask the question, what am I blind to today? Uh, I don't have perfect vision. I've got a great friend who's a member of this church who is an eye doc who, who makes sure I can see clearly. My eyes are not perfect. But there are other things in my life that I am blind to. And, and my concern is that there are things not just in my life, but in the lives of many of us and in the life of our culture that we are blind to. I think that uh, we have been blind to prejudice. It's a part of our national history, having grown up in the South in the 1960s. Um, my mother was in the hospital giving birth to me when the Little Rock Nine tried to integrate schools in Arkansas. I can't imagine my mom sitting in the hospital bed, looking at the newspaper, wondering, what kind of a world am I bringing my child into? And we experienced this last summer throughout the year of 2020, we recognize that we continue to be blind in many ways in America to prejudice. We're blind to callousness. There are so many things going on in this world today that we just, we just turn a blind eye to. Uh, a friend of mine was telling me a story this week about last Sunday driving uh, up Roswell Road to get something to eat seeing four guys beating up another guy. Now, she was not callous to this experience. And in fact, if anything, it, it traumatized her. But so many other folks just drove right on by, callous. They didn't, she didn't, they didn't care that someone was suffering. Sometimes I think that we are blind to my messes. And, and I'm not talking about just the, the mess that I make when I spill something or do something at the house or, or break something, but it's the messes of our lives and, and the, the ripples of those messes that go out and impact the lives of other people. We're blind to abuse. Abuse takes so many different forms. It can be physical, it can be mental, it can be verbal, it can be emotional, it can be sexual, it can be psychological. It goes on around us every day, and, and we don't even recognize it. We're absolutely blind to it. How many times have you seen or heard someone say something to someone else that just shut them down or put them down? That was abuse, and we're blind to it. 
We're blind to hunger in this world. Now, not you, not this church, because uh, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, you responded so generously and so graciously with our Feed the 5,000 initiative that we provided food and we continue to provide food for people on a regular basis. Uh, many of you just recently participated in our seed packing initiative by getting those kits and taking them home and packing seeds that are going to be sent to our ministry partners across the ocean where people who are struggling and suffering from hunger will no longer have to do that. But it's real in our culture today, and we're blind to it. We're blind to fear. There are people who think that they're snug as a bug in a rug, but they're really more scared like a hare in a chair. There is fear in this world. And because I don't feel it on a regular basis, I'm blind to it. I need to pay attention to it. We're blind to injustice. It happens not just on a global scale, but in our own communities. We don't like it. It doesn't touch us, so we look away from it. We blind ourselves to injustice. Rich introduced a number of us last week to this incredible phrase, confirmation bias, the tendency to only hear what we want to hear, to listen to the voices that make us feel good, to read and take in the things that undergird the belief systems that we have already claimed. Too many of us are blind to that confirmation bias, the, the tendency to just confirm what we want to believe. One of the things that I have done throughout my adult life is read things that I don't agree with simply to expose my mind to being stretched, to wrestle and find new ways of understanding. We're blind to poverty. It's right down the street from every one of us. Too many of us are blind to the consequences of our lives, the, the mistakes that we make, and we don't think that there are going to be ripples, but they are there. And too many of us are blind to the truth. We don't want to see it because it would make us change. We're blind. Just like this man that Jesus encountered at the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, the, the story is, is rather interesting. It, it points out a belief system that was existing at the time that Jesus had this experience. People believed that if there was something wrong with you, it was because of some sin in your life, which is why the disciples said, who sinned, this man or his parents? Since he'd been blind from birth, uh, the belief was his parents had done something that impacted his life. That's not it, Jesus said. Not his sin, it's not his parents' sin, but it's so that the miracle, the glory of God can be seen in his life. And Jesus does something that, well, my eye doctor is not going to do today. He looks at the man, looks down on the ground, he spits, hooey, makes some mud with the spit and puts it on the man's eyes. And he tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, if this man is an adult and he's been blind from birth, one of two things happens right now. One, he's moved around enough that he can find his way around and find his way to the pool of Siloam. Or two, he has someone with him who takes him by the arm and leads him to the pool. The people who saw this, the people who heard this, the people uh, 
of Jewish descent who would read this story would immediately think of something that happened with the Old Testament prophet Elisha who sent Naaman, a military leader who was leprous, to wash in the Jordan River. And he was healed. So when this man goes to the pool of Siloam, word means sent, he was sent there and he washes, suddenly he can see. The darkness has been removed. His life has been transformed. He can live the life that he has longed for his entire life. You know, interestingly enough, the Roman historian Pliny, the elder, actually talks about in a book that he wrote, healing miracles, not not really miracles, but um, modalities of healing. He has an entire chapter in one of his books on the use of mud for healing. So while this is foreign to you or me, we also live in a world in which we've seen moms go and clean something up on their children's face. We've seen a dog lick a wound. We've seen the use of spittle, not necessarily mud, but, but something to bring help, to bring cleanliness, to bring healing. So this was not that unusual. And remember, Later on, after this happens, in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul, who is an adversary of the movement started by Jesus, is struck blind. He can see perfectly well until Jesus appears to him on a road to Damascus. Paul is made blind. They have to guide him by the hand into the town. He was blind for three days before someone was sent by the Lord to place his hands on Paul's eyes and heal him. Not only could Paul see again, but his life was changed. He experienced life in a completely new way. He was made blind so that he could see in a new way. You know, Jesus didn't walk up to this man at the Festival of Tabernacles and ask him, do you want to get well? That was a question that he asked another man much earlier in the Gospel of John, the man who was paralyzed lying by the pool. And Jesus told him to get up, take his mat, and walk. But I wonder if somewhere along the way, Jesus, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, asked the man if he wanted to see, if he wanted to be made well. I wonder if maybe he's asking us that question today. Do you want to get well? Do you want to see? It's not that your eyes are blind, that you're living in darkness, but there's a sense in which spiritually and theologically, many of us are blind to all of those things that I mentioned earlier, to prejudice and hunger and poverty and callousness and fear and consequences and and messes and injustice and truth and abuse and confirmation bias. Do you want to get well? Do you want Jesus to heal you of your blindness? You see, you can't follow Jesus and hold on to your blindness. You can't be blind to the needs of the world around you. You can't be blind to the pain in the world around you. You can't just take care of yourself. You got to peel that electrical tape off and take a look at that check engine light. All of us, in one way, shape, form, or fashion, are just a little bit blind. And you can't follow Jesus and stay blind. I think today, 
He's asking you, do you want to get well? Now, I'm not going to spit in your eyes. I'm not going to spit on the ground and, and make mud and put it in your eyes. But I am going to invite you to shift from living your life the way you want to live your life to living your life the way Jesus wants you to live your life. To trust him to heal you. To remove your blindness and to help you to see and to care and to serve the world as Jesus served so many of us, every one of us, so many ways. Let's pray together. Lord, we confess today that there are those areas of our lives that we just kind of cover up the, the check engine light. We don't recognize that we are living in darkness or or that there are those things in and around us to which we are blind. And yet, you tell us that we need you to remove the scales from our eyes, to remove our blindness, to help us see. So Father, wherever we are blind, help us to see. Wherever we turn our gaze away, help us to look through your eyes at the world around us, to recognize the amazing grace that you have shared with us that enables us to see when once we were blind. As we pray in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen.